Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Shalom Yehudim, Shalom Lebenei Noach, Shalom Gleim. It's the evening of the fourth day, Elf Kav Dalas Betishlet, Parashas Bereshis, Tashin Peu Gimel, 5783, the evening of the third day, Tuesday, 18 October 2022. You're listening to Phantom Nation, a.k.a. the program program. The first of six podcasts sponsored by Floridians for Israel. That's four with a number four. Uh, on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, coming to you from the Holy Land, constantly blooded by Muslims who believe they can do anything they want to us Jews. Just this week, in Samaria, this during the Jewish festival called Simchat Torah. Happiness in a life of Torah is what that title means. The community of Shaked in, the, in Samaria, a, a Muslim or two, felt they had the righteous right to shoot into Jewish family homes. Bullets penetrated. Thank God no one was hurt. Last week, the riots continued in and around Jerusalem. Mobs of uh, wild asses of teenagers throwing rocks at Jews, at civilians, at those in uniform. There were two murders, but mostly throwing stones, which Israelis don't understand and don't know how to deal with this phenomenon. It's virtually part of the Arab Muslim culture and has been for generations, long before today, before the State of Israel, before the Six-Day War, before Zionism. For example, in, in the year 1825, the English Orientalist, let's call him, Edward Lane, left England and went to Egypt, where he would live for almost three years and write about the people, the culture, everything he saw there. Uh, he recorded as well the fun Egyptian children sometimes had throwing rocks at Jews passing in the streets. Today, uh, we can see security video from Borough Park in Brooklyn of a Jew who is uh, being attacked uh, on his way to shul or coming from shul early in the morning by a barbarian. And so it was in the 1830s uh, that Edward Lane observed the uh, fate of Jews in Egypt, which was to be a pariah class subject to oppression and humiliation which included Muslims throwing rocks at Jews, just passing by, and laughing as they forced the frightened Jew to run away, uh, fighting back uh, by the Jew was, of course, out of the question. Jews who got violent with Muslims were slain on the spot. Uh, Fighting back was not an option, uh, for that also meant not only death, but making a widow of your wife and orphans of your children. In 1866... Moses Montefiore, the famous philanthropist, uh, he made his fifth trip from England to Eretz Israel to support the Jews. And there he wrote a letter to the sultan in Istanbul for permission to erect an awning on the edge of the Temple Mount just above the western wall because Muslim boys like to stand up there and just for fun throw rocks down on the heads of the Jews praying below. Three days ago in Jerusalem... 17-year-old Itamar Al-Kobi. Uh, he uh, was at the moment in the Shimon neighborhood of Jerusalem, named for the great leader of the Jews in Jerusalem when Alexander the Great came to town. Uh, there, in these festival days, a Muslim threw a rock that, according to his father, impacted his son's forehead and crushed his skull. 
Kitamar is still in intensive care, of course, in Hadassah in Kalim. He said the thrower had intent and means. He said the only description is they tried to murder my son. Of course. <laughs> Israel needs a law asserting that every stone thrown is an attempted murder. We know for a fact stones can kill. They have killed Jews. So every stone thrown must be treated as attempted murder, which licenses uh, an armed Jewish witness on the scene to kill the thrower, to uh, prevent him from launching another rock, but potentially lethally as well, uh, against another Jew. You must kill these people on the spot. Preferably, though, if the thrower's stone did no harm and could be caught, he could be caught. A far more humane punishment and cheaper would be expelling him from the country, he and his parents and his siblings, immediately. They should all be arrested and driven to the Golan Heights, pushed into Syria, and told they would never return. Pushed into Syria with the clothes on their backs. The good news is that the army, the IDF, is beginning to use punishment. Uh, that's what would be called by others collective punishment. They're punishing the relatives of the violent ones on Sunday... The work permits of 164 of these Muslims, who uh, Israelis unfortunately call Palestinians when there's nothing Palestinian about them. Uh, the IDF as well blockaded Nablus. Uh, it's another tactic justly seen as a collective punishment, which of course the woke, the enlightened, uh, turn their noses up against in disgust, uh, which is sheer hypocrisy because the enemy is a practitioner of what the world calls terrorism, which in this case means Muslims feeling they have the right to murder any and all Jews, for all are guilty of stealing Palestine from its rightful Muslim overlords, as Palestine had been ruled by Muslims most of the time since the uh, 7th century. The very existence of Israel experienced by Muslims as rebellion by Al-Yahud, the Jews, against their Quranically mandated inferior status. There is a command in the Quran saying the Jews must be oppressed and humiliated, and they also must pay a massive communal tax each year for the right to continue to live and believe and practice as Jews. In effect, this massive communal tax uh, was like a fine for refusing to convert to the one true faith. And I say it would be the pinnacle of hypocrisy to criticize Israel for collective punishment well, that's precisely what Muslim terrorism is. In their minds and hearts, there's nothing wrong with the ambush and sneak attack uh, murdering of any Jew at random because we're all guilty. Terror horrors are the pinnacle of collective punishment. We've had weeks now of homicidal violence and a new key. No more suicide bombers on rush hour buses so far, thank God. No more terror strikes planned by the established terror gangs. This seems to be mostly individuals for whom throwing rocks at Jews and shooting live fire at their homes and on the roads. This is the epitome of Islamic piety. It's a holy deed to murder a Jew. And, and there is a psychological dimension to the throwing of rocks at us. Arabs throw rocks at dogs, who they torment as dirty animals. A most common insult in Arabic is Yaqalb, oh you dog. They know nothing of civilized people in the West who love their pets. And these people have a different relationship to animals. And it's no accident that the uh, Spanish bullfight did not originate with the Christians in Spain, but the Muslims. 
You know, as well, how in Afghanistan, the New York Times once reported, one entertainment in Afghanistan is for guys to torture puppies. The Muslims themselves are aware of their peculiar attachment to uh, throwing stones at animals, at Jews. Uh, maybe you saw the news item of a couple of weeks ago, how in Ramallah, the National Museum of the Ancient Palestinian People, you remember when it opened several years ago, it had not one exhibit of Palestinian culture, not one object. The building was totally empty. Well, now they have an interactive installation there in which one can study the intifadas and one subsection is devoted to the importance of rock throwing. Come to think of it, now I remember how in the year 2000, my old assistant professor, Edward Said, paid a visit to Lebanon, this imposter's true homeland, and paid a visit to the security barrier Israel built along the frontier manned by IDF soldiers, and there Edward Said joined in the fun of throwing rocks at the Jewish soldiers, this professor at Columbia University. It was a news story for a day or so. And last but not least, in this litany of the Muslims' affinity for throwing rocks at Jews, there is the pilgrimage, the Hajj, the once-in-a-lifetime commandment for Muslims to go to Mecca and walk around the spot where Ibrahim bound his son Ismail for a sacrifice. The Hajj, which is yet another Hebrew word stolen and used in Arabic, and it's the word Chag with an Arabic accent. The pilgrimage to uh, Mecca uh, deals with the foundational myth of Islam, uh, which implies that the Jews are liars for having stolen the story of the binding. This is the story in Islam, uh, and never mind that this story was written down first in the Torah by Moses himself some 2,000 years before Muhammad was born. The Muslims claim it's their story we stole from them. The Hajj is one of the five commandments the Muslims have, plagiarizing as well the Jewish text, which has a numbered list. The pilgrimage includes not only a visit to the Kaaba in the center of the Colosseum-like Grand Mosque, but a series of stations they must get to that have religious significance, historical events. The last of them being three huge boulders representing the shaitan, the devil, uh, towards which the pilgrim picks up some rocks and throws them at the devil. It's the culmination of the pilgrimage, throwing stones at the devil. And that is at work in the fever swamps of the savage who two days ago in Shimon Atzadik threw a rock into the forehead of a seven-year-old Jewish boy and put him in the hospital. What Israel needs to do is launch a frontal attack on this favorite Muslim behavior of rock throwing. Israel needs a law judging rock throwing attempted murder. And those who make the attempt and are captured will immediately be expelled from the world's only Jewish state, which has the right to expel homicidal Jew haters.
And that was Daniel Javiel. Yes, what Israel needs are uh, specially trained mobile units of soldiers helicoptered uh, into mob scenes in a surprise strike in order to encircle some rioters in order to immediately expel them from the country, never to come back. This is likely to be more of a deterrent than the um, promise of uh, being killed and going to paradise or uh, having to uh, spend some time in an Israeli jail. If Israel were to do that, what I recommend, of course, world anti-Jewry would howl in protest. Hitler spoke of international Judentum, international Jewry, and I speak of world anti-Jewry. They exist. If Israel adopts this this tactic, world anti-Jewry, will howl in protest at Israel's violation of their victims' rights to be judged innocent until found guilty in a court of law after due legal representation, paid for by the state, to which Israel has to diplomatically respond by telling its critics to go to hell. The state of Israel came to life when the Jewish people got fed up with the constant murderous aggression against us by Gentiles, and the state of Israel has the right to expel any non-Jew who gets violent with us. I think Israel needs a law judging any violence, however minor, committed by a Gentile in our country. I think that Gentile should be expelled immediately. Violence against a Jew in this state should be the number one worst crime a goy can commit. There's a smorgasbord of anti-Jew behaviors, and one of them is attacking Jews for our self-defense calling us war criminals, without a word about the Arabs, who have fired tens of thousands of missiles and rockets out of Gaza at us, never targeting a military objective. They always fire to murder and terrorize Jewish civilians in their homes and neighborhoods. And that Israel tolerates this relationship, uh, Israel disgraces itself. And that leads to more abuse. Today we learned that Australia has changed its mind about Jerusalem being the capital of uh, Israel. Uh, The decision today is no, uh, Israel cannot be the sole owner of Jerusalem. There must be a mutual agreement between Israel and the ancient ones, and never mind that in history there never was an ancient one government. No Palestinians ever governed in Jerusalem. Australia said more or less that the two-state solution is the only solution, and the status of Jerusalem was settled within that framework. And I think contributing to this decision by Australia was Yair Lapid's capitulation to Hezbollah in the matter of the uh, seabed's riches. In the end, Hezbollah got all the initial demands they had made that initially were rejected by Israel. I think as well contributing to the Australian decision was Lapid's UN performance this fall in which he sided with the stone throwers. He smiled on the two-state solution. This blockhead does not know that world anti-Jewry, including the Ishmaelites, with rocks in their hands, all agree that Judea and Samaria must become a holy Palestinian state, and that means either the half million Jews will remain uh, in their homes under the Muslim Brotherhood when it takes over, or become and become loyal citizens of a state of Palestine uh, and learn to sing the Palestinian national anthem, or they must be evacuated from their homes, a half a million of them. This is what Lapid supported on the UN podium. Former Australia PM Scott Morrison had recognized West Jerusalem as the Israeli capital in December of 2018, though he never moved the embassy out of Tel Aviv. Uh, Lapid said he was disappointed 
in Canberra's decision, but of course, he sees no connection to his own spineless leadership. The chronic mistake of Israelis like Kim and Rabin in Paris, etc., is their belief in the efficacy of being nice to the enemy in order to reduce his level of hostility. They choose to placate the enemy, which is exactly what Lapid did with Hezbollah. What Israel needs is a leader who harbors no illusions about the enemy and knows the true essence of the conflict, which is not Israel's intransigence and refusal to compensate the Palestinians for their suffering due to the Zionist movement. Binyamin ben Benzion Netanyahu just now published a, an autobiography containing the following, quote, Obama, he's talking about his relationship to him, Obama impressed him uh, as someone who, quote, saw the world through anti-colonialist glasses, but was ignorant of this conflict. He said, if there's any colonialism in play, it is, quote, Arab colonialism that began with the Muslim conquest of the land of Israel, after which the land was emptied of most of its Jews, Leave it to Bibi, whose father was an historian, to possess an historical sense that the uneducated high school graduate Lapid does not possess. Remembers well that a few months back Lapid was in Brussels meeting with counterparts in the EU, where he gave a speech in which he seemed to obliterate anti Semitism as nothing more than common hostility to the other, to the stranger. There's nothing special about anti Semitism in his mind. Netanyahu, in his uh, book, evidently also says of his relationship with Obama that the tension was more than the usual when it comes to the U.S. and Israel dealing with the Palestinian issue. He said, quote, It was something much deeper, ideologically and personally, close quote. I think it's just Bibi being polite. The subtext is that Bibi saw the anti-Semite in this man. Obama, remember, spent years sitting in the church of Reverend Jeremiah Wright. This is the same Wright who, in an earlier phase in his career, uh, had been a member of the same black Muslim cult as Louis Farrakhan. And when a minister in his church, he invited Louis Farrakhan to his church and gave him an award. Of course, Barack Hussein Obama is an anti-Semite, and that's because he is a Muslim. Uh, named, his personal name is for the second martyr in that community, Hussein. Islam is nothing but Judaism that has been pilfered and perverted, and for that, on most of the pages of the Quran, there is anti-Semitism, or snatches of the Jewish Bible narrative that have been rewritten. Extract those passages and the theological hatred of Jews in Islam and doctrine, and there's nothing left. Bibi got it Almost right when he said the real colonialism here is Arab colonialism. Uh, that's demonstrably false. Uh, there is no body of Arab imperial ideology available when compared to Islam, in which the jihad is a daily commandment. It's Islam that's spread around the globe, not Arab nationalism or Arab colonialism. It has always been Islam that is the menace to mankind. In a class with communism and Nazism, as a totalitarian ideology striving for world conquest, with all three of them rooted in a demonic hatred of Jews.
That was Yehuda Glantz. Speaking before, oh, that is referencing before, Louis Farrakhan, who I just saw a picture of uh, standing next to or in close proximity to Mr. Kanye West, about whom I know no more than what I saw last week in his interview with Tucker Carlson and commentary about that interview and other times the man has opened his mouth. They say he is a talented musician whose music I have never heard. He's also a talented fashion designer. And over the past week, he has spewed classical Jew hatred that is common, in particular to Louis Farrakhan-type delusionists. Last century in Manhattan, uh, a public access channel on TV aired uh, a program with a group from Brooklyn Blacks all claiming, like Kanye West, uh, that black people are the real Jews. Indeed, once I crossed paths with this group in Times Square, where they had set up a folding card table to disseminate their ideas, it was decorated with imaginary portraits of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, Joshua, all of them wearing turbans, all with faces as black as any in Central Africa. There are blacks like these who say as well that Aristotle and Plato learned their philosophy from black African philosophers. They stole it, basically, and of course these are people living in a dream world 
in which wishes and fantasies are mistaken for reality. Part of this fantasy is that uh, the Jews stole the identity of Jews from blacks as surely as the Jews stole Palestine from the Palestinians. Listening to Kanye West and reading some of his statements took me back to a four-year period in my life when I worked in mental institutions in various capacities, read uh, voluminously in psychiatry. Uh, the patients and climate, clients that I ran across ran the gamut from garden variety suburban neurotics to the most regressed psychotic schizophrenic sufferers. And in Kanye West's language, I see errors in simple language reminiscent of the patients I knew. From what little I have seen of him, he comes across as a soulmate of those blacks who insist they're the real Jews, which should not surprise. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's nothing new that some artists, some writers, entertainers, actors uh, are not immune to mental illness. Revered 20th century poets Ezra Pound and T.S. Eliot were shameless Jew haters. Ernest Hemingway, the novelist, uh, was not above speaking of the kikes. At the same time in France, there was the French novelist Louis Ferdinand Céline, another rabid Jew hater. Kanye West, at first blush, shows many common symptoms with other uh, Jew haters, uh, which is a mental disorder, though I doubt it appears in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders used by psychiatrists and clinical psychologists. It should be. West imagines the Jews controlling black voices. Hearing voices, uh, that's a mental disorder. I've worked with people like that. Uh, the belief that Jews control the media, Jews control the world economy. Quote, Jewish people have their hand on every single business that controls the world. He says, you get used to being screwed by the Jewish media. The man is obviously deranged, as other lunatic anti-Semites have been deranged. Uh, this paranoia of the sinister Jews in control of everything... Uh, they are malevolent powers that want to screw you, his word. Hence that photograph of Kanye West and Louis Farrakhan. Farrakhan thinks this way, too. This is unfortunate not only for Jews, but for Kanye West and the society as a whole. It seems to be part of this eruption of Jew hatred recently in the States and the world. Just last May, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said that Hitler had Jewish origins... And never mind all of the research into Hitler's family tree, and there's not an ounce of truth to that. And I ask, what has caused this eruption of delusional Jew hatred, not only not seen since the Nazi period, but in the States ever? There's nothing like it. On university campuses, the mental derangement is in full flower uh, and abated by administrations that allow for an Israel apartheid week when there's no apartheid in Israel. This is a bona fide delusion. Now, Jew hatred does seem to be uh, as immortal as the Jewish people have been. We are as old as Pharaonic Egypt. But in that period, there were numerous peoples besides the Egyptians, and now all of them, all of them are gone, with only the Jews who survive. And because we do, anti-Jew hatred is a perennial phenomenon. I don't expect it to end before Mashiach comes. Still, uh, history may have something to teach us, that is, uh, 19th century Germany. 
in which Jews abandoned their identity and their people in massive numbers, converting to Christianity, marrying Christians. The whole episode, though, ended in Auschwitz. Perhaps thanks, if that's the word, to an angry God at this mass betrayal. Maybe there's some connection between the resurrection of anti-Jew craziness in our time and the disappearance of Jews in the diaspora, once again doing so massively by intermarriage and just disappearing. Only future historians will know what's going on today. Shall have all, each 
was Hillel Goldblum. Okay, that's it. The first of six weekly podcasts uh, of Phantom Nation, sponsored by Floridians for Israel. Uh, Phantom Nation is the title as well of a book of the same name, available on Amazon. Uh, More than one has called this the best book ever on the war against uh, Israel by Islam. Currently disguised as the putatively primeval Palestinian people about whom there is nothing Palestinian. So I'll be back next Wednesday, God willing. I'm Shai Bentakoa. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.